0: Awesome. Awesome. So good. Uh, It's so cool, uh, not only just to see a young person step out, but just to see anyone step out into the unknown. To see anyone step out to a circumstance that seems so much bigger than themselves, but trusting God is going to create a way, create a path. Um, I think uh, Pablo's uh, call and just watching him being able to walk in that is such an encouragement, but I also think that there's people in this room that have a similar call of God on their lives. It might not look like Egypt, but it might look like this great big unknown. And hearing stories like this, hearing testimonies like this, let it stir in our hearts and challenge us and ask, have us ask ourselves this question, God, what is the unknown that you're calling me to walk into? Now, it's easy to celebrate um, like, things that like Pablo does, and it, they should be celebrated, but I also want to highlight um, who, are like people like Dusty. In the past year, Dusty's actually just been the main point person for Pablo, the same, the person that has been relaying the prayer requests to the youth ministry, that has been relaying the needs. As he even shared, being an encouragement. Now, not every single one of us have the opportunity to step into the mission field for a year. But every single one of us has the opportunity to encourage, support, and pray for the people that are being stretched. There's not one person that we know that doesn't need your prayer. So let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. Let's keep encouraging. And I know God's good and his faithfulness, he's going to open some amazing doors for this church. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning again. Like I said, um, my name is TJ. I'm the youth pastor here. I've been the youth pastor here for the past three years. And I want to say it is an honor and a privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. There's a weight of sharing God's word. There's a burden of sharing God's word. Because you realize the power, the truth, the heaviness, the capabilities, the tools of how God is trying to use his word to change, shape, encourage this world, this generation, regardless of what generation we're in. God's word is alive and powerful. And um, I just wanna say I'm honored to be able to share it. I'm honored for these past three years um, that I've been serving on this team, been part of this body, me and my wife, Jesse, and our two boys, Maddox and Hendrix. And um, about three weeks ago, we heard incredible news, and you just can't imagine if you talked to me in the past few days, uh, you'd understand. For incredible news that we'll be expecting a little baby girl to be a part of our family. So, come November, I'm going to be a father to a girl. So excited. People are warning me, but I don't care, okay? I'm excited, so don't rain on my parade, please. But um, again, it's. Being a youth pastor is one of the biggest honors you can possibly have. I share this, what being a youth pastor is to people all the time. Being a youth pastor, you're not technically the shepherd. You're like the co-shepherd. You're the co-shepherd to the parents. As God has called the parents to be the main spiritual leaders of their kids. And as a pastor in youth ministry, it's our job to go alongside families and encourage them. Go alongside families, and to have, and to see students come to Jesus for themselves. Those, those times are so amazing when you watch a student just get it, when it's no longer their parents' faith anymore, when it's their own faith. When you, when you watch a student start reading the Bible and realize this isn't just a, a, an instruction manual, but it's alive, and it's God speaking to them. When you see students step out into the unknown like Pablo and other students of God trying to work on their lives and through them to this generation. Being a youth pastor is amazing and I love it. Um, So uh, again, I'm honored to be able to share on Youth Sunday. Um, Today I'm actually going to share a passage that has literally been on my heart since September. I'm not even kidding. And... um, if if you want to confirm that, you can ask my wife or, uh, yeah. But, um, so I'm going to be teaching out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to that passage. For the most part, we'll be staying within this chapter. And I'm going to read out of verses 16 through 18. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. We'll give you a moment so you can find it. We will also have it available on our screen. So before I read this, I'm going to give some context of this passage and give context of this book. Right, Um, 2 Corinthians is is a book that is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. This is a church that he himself has planted. This is a church that is in need of a lot of correction. That is in need, that has a lot of uh, misconceptions about Christian living, about Christian values... And um, and it's a little dysfunctional. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we've all seen dysfunction in our own lives. But um, so we're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, and then we'll pray. It says, Therefore, can you say therefore? therefore? Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since the things that are seen are temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for this time that we have together, God. I pray, God, that the words that go through my mouth, God, are not just instruction, not just opinions, not just thoughts, God, but it's your words, your power, your authority, God. Let your Holy Spirit be among us. Let it encourage us, unite us, God, and reveal to us how you desire us to walk today. Let us love better. Let us see you better. Let us just appreciate you more. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sad news happened this past week. We announced um, to our youth ministry that we canceled our summer camp. Uh, very depressing. It wasn't necessarily us, but um, the campsite itself has uh, eliminated uh, summer activities for the rest of the year due to the coronavirus, which is a huge bummer to me. When I was 17 years old, I've shared my testimony from this stand in the past. When I was 17 years old, I came from a broken home with a bro- on a broken path, going to far more broken things, but Jesus Christ grabbed a hold of my life. It was a place where I heard the gospel. It was a place where God transformed me. A year later, it was a place I met my wife. Uh, summer camp for me has always been a special time. Not only that, it just it's a huge bummer for our students. Even last year at our last summer camp, we were able to baptize eight different students in the lake and see God work in cool ways. And, and, and just uh, just God stirring up a passion and newness in the youth. It's a bummer because not only have our students have had camps canceled, but they've had graduation's canceled, prom's canceled, uh, time with their friends canceled, and I was just excited to be able to give them something to look forward to. But you know what? That's okay, because God is still working, God is still doing something. I'm sure we've all had something canceled in this season, right? I'm sure we have all had a plan that we expected, expectations that were brewing, a job opportunity that was shining, a dream, and things were put on Holt. Well, the theme for this year's camp was going to be called reality. It was actually going to be through the scripture that we read. That's why I said the scripture has been on my heart since September, because after the last summer camp, this was a scripture I felt God share with me that is going to be our next summer camp. So it'll still be our next summer camp, just next year. But I figured, hey, I've been thinking about this scripture, I've been praying about this scripture, I've been planning about this scripture. It can't be for no reason. So I love the fact that I get to share this scripture with you today. So our theme of this year's camp is reality. And I love the graphic. The graphic was actually made by one of our, our graduated students who's now a leader in here, um, Shiloh. But I love the aspect where you see somebody with a VR headset on, and they're looking through this little lens, but around them there's this vibrance. Around them, this world, the real action's happening. Around them, that they're just stuck seeing in this lens when there's work going on in what they can't See, You see, the theme of this year's camp for us was really going to focus along the last scripture of this verse that we read, verse 18. If we can reread it, it says, so we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is a really interesting statement made by Paul. You say it out loud and you're like, yeah, that sounds good. But then you actually try to operate it. You actually try to practice it. You're like, oh, it's a little bit more difficult than I expected. What do you mean we don't fix our eyes on what is seen? Because right now I see a lot of problems. Because right now I see a lot of disappointment. Yeah, I can try to not fix my eyes on this, but it's glaring in my face. How do I not fix on my eyes? Am I supposed to not address it? Are we not supposed to talk about it? Are we not supposed to fix it? Are we not supposed to do something? I don't know. As me, that's always a tension that arises when I see a problem, when, when, I, when I feel like something's out of control. I'm like, okay, let's fix it. What are we going to do about it? What do we have to buy? What, who do we have to talk to? How do we get this problem addressed? And what Paul is saying is not to ignore the problems. He's not saying that the things that we see don't matter. But what he's saying is that when it's measured, when it's weighed to the things that we can't see, even though I can see the problem, I can measure it by the things that I can't. I think now more than ever, we are asking this question, what is real? You ever asked that question in the past few months? I'm sure you've had. (laughs) What is real? What is the reality? What's really happening? Well, before we ask that question, let's, let's look up the definition of reality. It says this. I have it on the slide. It says, the world or state of things as they exist, opposed to the idealistic notion, idea of them. I think that's a really cool definition. Opposed to the idealistic notion of them. You know, Hollywood has gotten really good at showing us things that are not real, Right? We pay, we, we pay money to see that, we pay money to see movies, and we pay money to hear stories that might be based on a true story, but obviously you know there's a lot of fabrication to it. Too. Um, one of the biggest blockbusters of all times is uh, the Avengers, right? And the Avengers paid $356 million to make sure when you saw this slide, which is not scary or intimidating, it's pretty weird and awkward, become this which I would cry for many hours if I saw that across the street from me in real life, right? But again, like I said, what is reality? It's a question we're always asking. It's something we're always trying to figure out. If you're a parent, you're always trying to figure this out, especially if you have two kids, have two boys, four and two, their best friends or their worst enemies, Right? So uh, on, the, on the days where I can see God's grace um, shine bright when they're playing quietly with themselves in the room while me and my wife are just panting on the couch because we're so exhausted, um, and then what happens, we hear two simultaneous cries and screams and yells, and I go in there, and both of them apparently have, have stolen each other's toy, hitting them, and said a bad word to each other. So I'm trying to figure out who's guilty, who's innocent, so I just punish them both. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, gosh, it's so rude, right? Um, what is reality? What really happened? My son, uh, a, a few days ago, was cracking me up. I was sitting in the living room, and me and my wife were, uh, were sitting, and I hear uh, my son, he yells out this question. He goes, hey, Dad, are dragons real? I go, no. He's like, yeah, they are. I'm like, okay, are dragons real? No. He's like, ugh. I'm like, okay, are dragons real? Yes, dragons are real. He's like, okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> sure, dragons are real. <laughs> but we watch the news. We open social media. We see a 10-second clip. We hear a quote. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what is real? Who, who's reporting? Is there an angle? Is there, is there more to the story that I don't see? Is there what's real? It can be so exhausting when there's these such tension and these polarizing issues that we are looking at today. Let's reread the verse, verse 16, that we first read. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The scripture starts with the word therefore. Say therefore. Therefore is an adverb, which means it's referring to something that's previously stated. When you lose heart, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. When we start losing heart, what is our therefore? When we start wavering, when we start allowing the discouragement, the weight, the tension, the questions, as we're searching for what is really going on, when we start losing heart, what is grounding us? What is allowing us to stand? What is allowing us to walk? What is allowing us to continue and be strong for the things that we are called to be strong for in this life? The answer can be easy if you're, if you're a Christian. You'd be like, uh, Jesus? My son can answer that pretty well. Um, it's really easy to answer sometimes it's a lot harder when you start seeing life when you start seeing culture when you start seeing time it starts pulling away core important things that you value like my therefore is Jesus but in reality my therefore has been my family it's been my relationships it's been my bank account it's been my cheese it's been my job title it's been my pride it's been my wisdom my planning And what happens when our therefore starts to lose value? What happens when our therefore is suddenly swept away? What happens when it's just a a pile of things that come and hitting us and hitting us with all these plans, all these opportunities, all these dreams, and just like that, our therefore is gone. And we find ourselves losing heart. Which makes the rest, the next part of that scripture we read, Very depressing. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because outwardly, we are wasting away. When we lose our therefore, and when we start losing heart, and all we are is stuck seeing the outward waste away. All we are, we're stuck seeing the disappointment come in waves, the pains, the struggles. Now there's tension in the house, therefore it was my family. But you know what? Now everything is not working as well at home like it was. It was in the job. Now I'm not sure if the next job is going to be available. It's in the blank. When we get stuck seeing the temporary problems, we usually get stuck trying to fix them with temporary solutions. Ecclesiastes, King Solomon recognizes this very well in chapter one. Chapter one, verse two, he says, Vanity of vanities, the preacher said, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That word vanity, if uh, the translates it to the word hevel. Now that word can kind of come out a few ways. It can come as vanities, but other translations can actually say it's uh, vapor or smoke. That all is smoke, that all is vapor. And you can see the form of it. And you can see the, the, you, you can see like I'm chasing after this until I grab hold of this smoke and I realize that it had no substance to begin with. That word is used 39 times in that book. Vanity of vanities. In this book, he's chasing after wisdom. He's chasing after prophets. He's chasing after achievement. He's chasing after power. One of my favorite uh, parts of that, I don't have it on the scripture, but he says that God has put eternity in man's heart. And the only thing that can fill eternity is something eternal. Paul answered his therefore earlier in this chapter. Earlier in this chapter, we find this in 2 Corinthians chapter four. We're gonna read verses uh, six through seven. It says, God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us." St. Paul is saying, my therefore is that when there was darkness, God brought forth light. When there was hopelessness, it was the light brought forth through the power, through the face of Jesus Christ in our hearts. That's my therefore. That's why I do not lose heart. That's why even though I can see things waste away, I can stand firm and know that I will be renewed day by day through the power, grace, and love of Jesus Christ. I think Paul is actually very intentional in this book also on the second part of that when he says um, that we are all but jars of clay. You see, the Corinthian church, uh, we're a very, very proud church. They liked to look good, right? Anyone like fashion, like to buy clothes? I actually do like shopping. It's like me and my wife's favorite thing, so it's kind of expensive. <laughs> but you know what? They didn't like Paul. This was a church that Paul planted, started. But they didn't want him. They didn't like how he looked, because he looks too poor. They didn't like how he suffered, because God's people shouldn't suffer. They didn't like how he talked because he wasn't as elegant. He wasn't a motivational speaker. They did not want Paul. They wanted a nicer, cleaner, shiny version of him. They actually had the audacity in the book to, to ask Paul to give them references. Hey, prove to me you're an apostle. He's like, what are you talking about? You're my proof. They didn't like Paul. And Paul, combating their high view of themselves, says this that we are all but jars of clay. Jars of clay are common, they're brittle. It's something you don't put treasure in, it's not a vessel of honor at all. And he's trying to paint this picture and make it very obvious to the Corinthians. That it's not by their righteousness. It's not by our honor. It's not by our works. It's not by how many verses we've read. It's not by how many times we've attended church. It's not by how much we've given. But it's the fact and only the grace of Jesus Christ that he put a treasure in jars of clay like us. That's the therefore. Though the outwardly is wasting away, yeah, because we're jars of clay though I'm discouraged and I'm getting beat up and I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm disappointed, yeah, we're jars of clay. And we must never forget that we're jars of clay with a treasure that should have never been put there in the first place. And we must never forget when we're looking at the other cracks in these other jars of clays around us, when we're looking at the other disfigurements in these other jars of clay around us, oh, it's easy right now to look at other people's cracks. That kind of came out for it, right? <laughs> it's easy right now to look at these other jars of clay that are just kind of wasting away. And be like, huh. Called himself a Christian. See that? See that crack going down the side? See how imperfect that blemish is? See how fragile that person is? <laughs> well. I think in this time of divisiveness, in this time now more than ever where we're seeing so much extremes, let us have an unusual amount of grace for one another. Let us have an unusual amount of patience and care and time that we create gaps of understanding and trust now more than ever. For we are called to be the body of Christ And when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Let's keep reading. You say it's not it's not easy sometimes when the days get disappointing, when our plans look like they're in ruins when things become dark. Just like this passage says, in the darkness, God brought forth light into our hearts. The face of Jesus Christ. I heard this story um, a while ago. It's a story of these two lumberjacks. One was an old lumberjack, he's been a vet, he's been on the job for a while, and one was a young one, he was, he was big and strong, and he was eager and full of energy, kind <laughs> <Can't> of like myself, <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and the younger lumberjack went to the older one and said, hey, you know what, we got to cut down these trees, why don't we have a competition, I challenge you, let's see at the end of the day, who can cut down the most trees? So the older one kind of just like, yeah, whatever, I just ignored him, let the you know, young guy do his thing. And the young guy goes, and he's cutting down trees. He's cutting, and he's, and he's hacking away. He's, he's hacking away, and the old guy's cutting too. He's cutting too. And then the younger guy, notice the old guy start, sits down. He goes, Pfft, doesn't have it left in him. And he keeps going, he's going. The old guy gets back up, and starts cutting some more, and then he sits down for a little bit. And the younger guy, he's just going away, just nonstop. He's just going as hard as he can, hard as he can. And the older guy's kind of just repeating this pattern. He'd cut for a while, he'd sit down for a little bit. Cut for a while, he'd sit down for a little bit. End of the day, the young man looks at the trees, and he's so surprised. And, he's, how, and he goes up to the old lumberjack and says, how'd you beat me? I saw you sitting down. I saw you taking breaks. The older lumberjack look at him. He's like, I wasn't taking a break. I was sharpening my axe. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the divisions of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, is the discerner of the hearts and intents of, is the discerner of the mind and intents or of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I think so often do we approach things just like this young lumberjack. That we see what's in front of us, we see the obstacles, and we just will it. And we just hit and we hit and we hit and we hit and we see more trees and we see the problem and we just try to cut and just try to go and more and more and more. And after a few trees, our axe is dull and we're lying so much on ourselves and we're forgetting that we are just a fragile pot of clay. But when we take time and strengthen ourselves in the unseen, When we take time and we allow God's word to sharpen us, to strengthen us, to equip us for every good work that God has called us to. To make sure that our mind is right. To make sure that our heart is right. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, just four more verses later. The author writes, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, finding grace to help in the time of need. That we're boldly, we're so intentional to come to God's presence. Though outwardly I'm wasting away, inwardly I'm being renewed, what the scriptures say, day by day inwardly, I'm allowing God to work on my heart. I'm intentional, saying, you know what? I see these problems. I'm not going to focus on these problems. I'm going to run to what God has for me. I'm going to allow him to strengthen me. I'm going to allow him to equip me. I'm allowing allow him to show me my call even when I can't see it. The real work is in the prayer. The real work is when we allow God's, work to, God's word to work. It's the unseen that truly prepares us to walk worthy of our calling. Let's read the last part of that same scripture. Verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. And we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, and the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul says, "Our light trouble. Do you know what Paul has been through? I mean, I would give you money if you found somebody who's been through more things than Paul has been through. I'm, that's not a joke. If you find somebody, I don't want you money. But regardless, this statement is being made by Paul in this way. It's a measurement. Somebody who's been... I can't even. I mean, if if you continue reading Corinthians, he actually has a list of all the things, and I think that is actually leaving out a bunch. This is a guy who was intent of not allowing his sufferings, not allowing his afflictions, not allowing what he could see prevent him from what he couldn't see. And we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen because we can see death. We don't know when we can, but we can see death. But we look forward to eternity. Fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For there's a real call of God on your life, even if you can't see it. For what you're doing, when people can't see it really matters. Those seeds you've been sowing, it really matters. There's times you're thinking like, how many times I've been praying for my kids and they still are walking away from Jesus. Those times matter. There's times when we get so discouraged for doing good. So discouraged saying, God, where are you? Even if we can't see a way out of it, it can be in the unseen. Even if you feel alone, you're not just because you can't see it. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God is not surprised by the problem that your family is facing. God is not surprised by the problems that this country is facing. That before these problems, He was still God. That after these problems, He was still God. That even when we can't see it, He's speaking. He's trying to teach us something, He's trying to mold us, He's trying to strengthen us. He's doing something. Let's not be ignorant to what we see. But let's focus on God knowing that you know what we see looks pretty messy but God is in control there's two type of people I want to I want to offer prayer for this morning some of us are therefore has been misplaced it's been put in wrong things and maybe we didn't know it until we started losing those things, until those things started being inconsistent in our lives, until those things started wavering, until those things left us, until those things abandoned us. Can I have everyone just close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? This morning you're saying, you know what? I, my therefore has been misplaced and I have just been losing heart. I've just been so discouraged. I've been so angry. I want my therefore to be placed back in the hands of my Savior Jesus. If that's you this morning on the counter three, I just want to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. You can just stay there, not some grand interest or charade. This is just a moment for you. Just to ask God, God, put my values back where they should be. Put my trust back in you. That's you on the count of three. I want not you raise your hand? One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand, saying, my therefore has been misplaced. I see your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. God, we just thank you for every single person in this room, God, for everyone who responded, for everyone, God, that is in a place right now, God, where it seems like we're wavering. Jesus, I just pray, let us weigh our discouragement, our afflictions, our troubles, to you and your eternal way in your glory thank you Jesus and the second group of people in this room go ahead and keep your eyes closed you don't have a relationship with Jesus he's never been a therefore your therefore has always been on all these different things I want to let you know this morning That God loves you in such an immeasurable way. That when you were lost, when you were lonely, He was there. A God that formed you and knew you and has known everything that you've ever been up against and everything you will be up against. Who loved you so much and died for you on a cross. Not just died, suffered in a horrible way. So that you could know him. So that you in us being jars of clay could have an immeasurable treasure put inside of us. And that's to know God. To hear his voice. To feel his presence. If that's you this morning, you're saying, you know what, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or at one point I have accepted him, but you know what, I've very much walked away and I need to put him back. If that is you this morning, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you. We're not meant to go through this alone. The Bible tells us to not forsake the gathering of the saints, to stir up love and good works. We need each other in this walk. If that's you this morning on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand and say, you know what? I need to accept Jesus Christ. I see that hand in the back. I need to come back to my savior, come back to my father. Fantastic. Jesus, we just thank you for your work. We thank you, God, for the work on the cross. It was not temporary, but that was eternal. God, I thank you that our problems are temporary. And I pray, God, when we start to lose heart, I pray, God, when we start to waver, God, I pray, God, that we'd be renewed inwardly day by day and we continue to see you as king of our life, that you're alpha and omega. You are the beginning and the end. And I know one day the problems will end and you will still be on the throne. We thank you so much in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, Thank you guys so much for joining us on New Sunday. And why don't we celebrate the rest of this service by worshiping and acknowledging God as the king of our lives. Amen.